0: Wrestling fans, how you do it? You are listening to the Next Era in Pro Wrestling Analysis. You're listening to Wrestle Rant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews here to bring you the front to end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at NextEraWrestling.net. Graham, a pleasure as always. We are 2 days away from WWE TLC where AJ Styles will defend his WWE World Championship, held high above the ring against the unbreakable Dean Ambrose. Now, TLC has the potential to be the most brutal match the WWE has to offer today. And given both competitors' past history in this business and the and their rise to the WWE, have we ever seen a matchup like this going into TLC before? I don't think so.
1: I don't think you can honestly say that we've seen such a match, and I don't think I've been this excited for a TLC match in quite some time. I mean, I think it's really, really hard to have a bad TLC match. I mean, even Roman Reigns and Sheamus last year in Boston was a good TLC match. We have yet to have a really bad TLC match, but when you put two guys in there, and I like that you said that, their respective rises to superstardom in WWE, you look like what they went through in Japan, TNA, TCW, or ZZW, or whatever Dean Ambrose was in on the independent scene. And you see what they've been through and the the harm that they are willing to put their bodies through to get what they're willing to to get the world championship. It's going to be insane on Sunday.
0: It's going. I feel like it, it always has the potential when Dean Ambrose is in these matches. I know that he has put in so many hours into being this brutal machine, right? Mm-hmm. And I've seen all of those matches. I have them, and I've watched them. And I know AJ has put himself through just the absolute ringer, right? But I know that they have both worked hard enough to get away from those types of matches. And Mm -hmm. when they come back now, that's who I look at. Now, I still feel like Dean Ambrose has nothing to lose and is willing to break himself in half. Whereas I think AJ Styles will find a line and say, I'm not going to go there and I'm going to split and he's going to walk away at some point. And I think that that's where Dean Ambrose, because of the nature of this match, it could be one of the most brutal matches for Dean Ambrose, because if he gets AJ back into the ring after walking out, and AJ pulls off something phenomenal, Ambrose is going to be the one cracked in half going through a ladder, uh, you know, 15, 20 feet in the air, and AJ Styles is going to then walk out with the championship belt once again, so... I think it's, it, it has every bit of potential to be a, a devastatingly brutal match. It's going to be really interesting to see, and it's it was something that Dean Ambrose mentioned a few weeks ago on Talking Smack when they announced it. He had just finished a match, and he came back, and Daniel Bryan uh, very excitedly said that, you're in the TLC match, and you're going to be fighting for the title. And he was like, oh, great. Well, I c- can't wait to do that, I guess. <laughs> and I thought that that was really telling of – He's willing to do it. When when the day comes and he's got to be in that ring, he's definitely not the kind of person that's going to hold back. So, mm-hmm. what do you think the outcome is here? What how how does the, do you see a dusty finish? How do you see this thing all tying up and together in the end?
1: Well, you got to give Dean Ambrose. Not only is the fact that he has nothing to lose in his favor, but you got to give the edge to Dean Ambrose and that he has the experience factor as well. You go back to the past four years. TLC 2012. I'm looking at the poster right here in front of us with Ryback from four years ago. Dane Ambrose made his first ever WWE match in a TLC match with The Shield and emerged victorious over Daniel Bryan, our SmackDown GM, Kane, and Ryback. Two years later, in the main event of the show, with Bray Wyatt came up short but still has that experience factor. Unlike AJ Styles, we talk about their independent experience, which is obviously a huge factor, but I mean, there is no such stage as WWE. And AJ Styles, in the time that he's been here from January to current day, has never been in a ladder, oh, actually with James Ellsworth. But other than that, has not been in a TLC match here in WWE. So Ambrose has that factor. I gotta go with AJ, though. I feel like he has a lot more to prove. Coming off three losses to James Ellsworth, he has to come out on top here to retain his title.
0: And I think, even more so, he has to come out on top as the face that runs the place. Mm-hmm. You know, he if he wants to continue holding that and gloating that over literally everyone across the WWE universe. Yep. He has to win this match. Dean Ambrose, he, he, he's going to survive this match either way. He's unbreakable. You know, he's like Wolverine in his prime. You just you could bend the guy in half, he'll snap right back, and then he'll snap back at you. So, I I don't I don't see that this is the end of the line for Dean Ambrose chasing you know the championship uh, uh, ring or anything like that. Uh, but I do think that AJ definitely has a lot more to lose than Dean Ambrose here, which I think will will give him a competitive advantage because Dean Ambrose will be pulling out everything he can think of, and mm-hmm. AJ Styles will be thinking of all of that and, and being more cerebral on this. And I think being a fan of TLC matches in the past uh, more so to check out the psychology of the people that aren't going through the ladders. How, how, who are the people throwing people through these ladders and tables and chairs and things like that. And uh, historically it reminds me of how edge would approach a TLC match. You know, they, they were very carefully plotted and thoughtful of how they would do go after certain people. And while the Hardys would like literally, you know, break themselves into sawdust over certain things. This gave other competitors an advantage to win the match, not just incapacitate their opponents. So there's a lot of strategies going into TLC that on the surface just don't appear to be true. It appears to just be a smash em up demolition derby. You know, that's
1: what they've called in recent years, the demolition derby of WWE. I don't think, I know we have extreme rules, money in the bank, but we have not seen a more extreme night of the year than TLC in the past Few and this
0: one, this one actually pulls at me. This one uh, does feel as dangerous as matches uh, that I grew up watching between Rob Van Dam and Sabu or Sabu and Taz or Sabu and anyone. <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> just yeah. just Sabu. Sabu, Sabu versus a cup of tea. I'm sure <laughs> some somehow he would be blading yep. Um but, yeah, this uh, this will be interesting to see what the future of the TLC match is because I think these two competitors have the potential to set a standard for what TLC is going forward, not only from a, uh, a, a spot kind of perspective, but also from a psychology perspective. Mm-hmm. The, these two have real history going into this match. There's a real divide between AJ Styles' approach – to being a WWE superstar and what that means to Dean Ambrose, a hardworking kind of down man of, you know, uh, down to earth kind of approach to everything versus AJ Styles, who is very much an arrogant, um, uh, completely head in the clouds kind of approach to everything. So uh, huge matches coming up. But before we dive into the rest of the card for TLC, which is looking quite stacked as far as the stipulations and the brutality level goes, uh, a lot of things coming out of smackdown this week um uh, a lot of things involving Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss what what are your what are your thoughts about where these two stand right now especially going into TLC where they will be seeing a we were we will be seeing a tables match between Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss I'm I'm a, I, these two competitors I really feel were made for a match just like this.
1: I think they'll thrive in the tables match environment. I think we've only seen, to my knowledge, in recent years anyway, only one other women's tables match. And that came six years ago at the same TLC pay-per-view, Lay Cool versus an Italian Beth Phoenix. Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss, obviously, have yet to compete in anything in WWE quite like a tables match. But I think it's perfectly fitting for this feud. These two women have been going back and forth for months. Becky Lynch has been this underdog fighting champion Alexa Bliss. And I got to say this too, Alexa Bliss has been by far, in my opinion, the most improved women's wrestler, the most improved women's wrestler throughout all of 2016. From her presentation to her mic skills to her in-ring ability, I think has really come a long way from when we were praising her even eight months ago in NXT. Correct. So I think Sunday... And this is her opportunity to take the title without even pinning Becky Lynch. She can put her through a table. She already did it on Tuesday. But I think this match itself is something special. It's really cool to see the women getting a stipulation match as we saw on Monday's Raw with Sasha Banks and Charlotte and Falls Count Anywhere. I think they'll make the most of it.
0: Yeah, I really think that Alexa Bliss has shown that improvement more so than anyone in the women's division. Uh, she has challenged herself in that like very self-aggressive way where she went from kind of pawning off her losses as reasonable excuses to then quickly eroding away at anything that could possibly a detractor against her and has continued to show that level of personal growth that Mm -hmm. is going to beat out someone like Becky Lynch, who has worked very hard to be at the top of the division right now. And as far as a competitor, between the Raw brand, Becky Lynch certainly uh, is is as strong of a champion as Sasha Banks or Charlotte was, but now Alexa Bliss, if she is able to enter this conversation, the four of them, between Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, and Charlotte, now represent the top tier of competition in women's wrestling. Mm-hmm. I can look at that full spectrum and, and truly say that I think that, that is, is might be the strongest wrestler's in WWE, as, as far as a cohesive feud goes, you know, there's there's so many wrestlers to appreciate in the WWE when you're looking specifically at the women and you're looking at all four of them, knowing that there are even more women competing to get to those positions to to constantly have the back and forth between Alexa and Becky and between Charlotte and, Sa- and Sasha is just something we haven't seen in the wwe in a long time it is it is a new level of competition and they are digging down deeper than you know ever before so to have these stipulation matches it really feels not only like not that they've earned it not that they, whatever they deserve it they because their matches deserve it there's no other way to conclude some of these feuds until you're slamming someone through a table with no dqs and alexa bliss is holding a title above her head saying yeah This is how we had, this is where it had to go. We had to go to a tables match at TLC for me to show you that all the times that I was complaining, that I was saying that uh, I was getting uh, put out of advantage here, that it really was the truth and I am now the champion and I deserve to be at the top and I deserve that level of respect and and, and Becky Lynch has, has clearly wielded it walking around literally saying anything she wants to anybody under the guise of respect, under the guise of just walking out and saying anything she wants. So given both of their attitudes, given the stipulation in this match, given what we've seen uh, uh, the raw side of the women's division do and maybe set a little bit of that bar of competition, what do you expect that we're going to see in this match as far as the fact that tables are involved?
1: I think the first go around about a month ago on SmackDown Live when they had their first initial one-on-one encounter for the Women's Championship. A straightforward singles match, a lot more about competition, kind of very wrestling-based. This is going to be the exact opposite of that. A lot similar to what we saw on Monday, like I said, with Sasha and Charlotte, just very extreme. Just It's been a ruthless rivalry, not for recent weeks, not for the past month, but going back three months Alexa Bliss initially became the number one contender to the title back in September. She's been chasing the championship for a very long time, and she will do anything it takes to take that title from Becky. Um, and I think in the tables match environment, I, I, as I said, the aforementioned tables match from six years ago with the women at TLC was very, very good. So I think we're actually past the point where people are saying, oh, you know, they're going to mess up. It's the women. It's a gimmick match. We are far beyond that point. And I think if Monday... In any other recent match, women's hell in the cell, we saw it in person, was excellent. I think if any of those matches were any indication, the women will not only get to meet those expectations, but exceed them in this type of
0: environment. Yeah, it, it, they, and they have to because they, they have put their entire heart and character on the line. Alexa has, anyway. You know, think, think of the, uh, the other superstars Nikki Bella, Carmella, Naomi, anybody that else is rounding out this picture, right? Alexa's really been the only vocal person going up to Daniel Bryan week after week, saying, "Where's I'm my, smack where's my title match? Yep, behind the scenes, where's my title match? This person did me wrong. Where's my title match? Where's my, I deserve this? I've earned this. She's not wrong. Is it is it a thing in the WWE where pestering management actually gets you the thing that you want?" <laughs> <laughs> at least on SmackDown, I mean, you look at Baron Corbin,
1: you look at AJ Styles, you look at Alexa Bliss, all three of them have gotten what they wanted in recent months and going up to Daniel Bryan. So I think it's almost like, it's almost sending a message. Like, if you want something in life, go grab it and, you know, approach management about it and attempt, I mean, and, and, and you know at least not getting fired. I mean, this is yeah. wrestling after but all, a, you know what a a I mean? mean.
0: They, uh, I, I, there have been moments where Alexa has gotten just up to that line of being completely insubordinate and disrespectful. Yeah. Same goes with Baron Corbin. Same goes with AJ Styles. Same goes with Dean Ambrose. Yeah. There are a lot of habitual line steppers here in SmackDown, and that's why I think the anything can happen mentality lives and thrives today on SmackDown Live. And I think that that is the anything goes mentality that is going to make a matchup between SmackDown women's champion Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss. One of the biggest women's matches next to what Sasha and Charlotte did in Hell in a Cell. And now with Sasha and Charlotte having a a colossal showdown on Monday this week with a no disqualification match, SmackDown has their own no disqualification match between a very heated Nikki Bella and Carmella. Uh, Carmella tweeted out a picture this week on Twitter um, looking way (laughs) uh, 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 worse for the wear. Uh, A couple of shiners and uh, uh, not uh, her normal um, uh, Staten Island smile. So, uh, given the history between uh, Nikki and Carmella, what do you think we're going to see more out of a no DQ match? And are we going to see everything from tables, laddles and chairs?
1: I think with Becky and Alexa, I mean, it's more about the championship. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of bad blood between Becky and Bliss. But with Carmella and Nikki, even more so. I mean, look at Tuesday. Carmella targeted Nikki Bella's boyfriend. There's everything about Nikki Bella. Every fiber of her being she just despises. She loathes Nikki Bella. And I think it's going to make this match all the more meaningful. I mean, people were saying two, three months ago, put these women in a no disqualification match. And that was two months ago. How much has happened since that time with the interactions they've had on
0: SmackDown, No Mercy, Survivor Series? Survivor Series, especially, too, where they, they allegedly had to try and, and work together and it just, they couldn't. It fell apart, you know? And we still have no
1: idea whether Carmella was the one who attacked Nikki Bella backstage prior to that bout, rendering Nikki Bella inactive for that matchup in Raw versus SmackDown. So there's a lot of bad blood there. I love the fact they're going at it in a no DQ match against. Something that we do not often see from the women, and I think just overall, it's been a banner. I think mean, this is really not saying much because it's kind of obvious, but it's been a banner year for the women in twenty sixteen.
0: Well, and we, this is a match we haven't necessarily seen from Nikki Bella in the past. I don't think we. I've never ever seen, seen someone her? bait her and and get under her skin quite like someone like Carmella has before. Yeah, and I haven't seen uh, Nikki Bella ever have to compromise kind of her own, you know, safety going forward. To prove this point, you know, she she's in this with as much spit and venom as Carmella is coming into this with. And Nikki Bella is coming off of still, you know, recovering from a very invasive procedure so the fact that she's willing to put herself through a no disqualification match basically for pride. There's nothing else on the line here. Basically, just for her pride alone, just to prove Carmella wrong. I have a, a a nagging feeling that Carmella is going to end up the victor here because Nikki just wants to prove this more than Carmella needs to. I feel it's similar to AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose, where I think Nikki Bella certainly has a lot more that she needs to hang on to in this match to to save face and to continue being at the top of uh, uh, of her status than Carmella does. Carmella can completely undermine her, or still lose and potentially injure Nikki Bella still and win. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So th- this is going to be a really interesting no DQ match. Um, I would expect to see everything from tables, ladders, and chairs, all in that one match because we that would be above and beyond what anything else has been doing. And if any, and if all of the the superstars are all about. Uh, one upping each other then that's certainly a standout spot between a very heated feud so it'll be really interesting to see how that all develops a lot of interesting developing feuds coming out of smackdown this week as well that are going to be on full display at tlc uh lou uh, not luke Harper, uh baron corbin seems to be at the middle of a lot of it and the miz is always a, a, a nag himself um but when you involve people like kalisto and Dolph ziggler um, clearly you have competition. So this Sunday at TLC, the Intercontinental Champion, the Miz, is going to once again be taking on Dolph Ziggler, and this time in a ladder match, ladders only match. Um, uh, and uh, Kalisto is going to be taking on Baron Corbin in a chairs match. So we are really, almost every single match on this card now has is a pretty clear stipulation. Um, what do you think about the fact that While they are genre matches and they're limited to this, you know, one stipulation, it's no DQ. So literally anything goes and it doesn't Mm -hmm. prevent anyone from grabbing a ladder, doesn't prevent anyone from grabbing a chair or so on. Um, Do you think that this gives any of these competitors an an advantage? Certainly in uh, let's start with Kalisto and Baron Corbin in their chair match.
1: Baron Corbin, absolutely. I mean, if you go back to Talking Smack, I think two weeks ago, um, Kalisto was like, I can't wait to fight Baron Corbin. I need to get my hands on him. I need to get my vengeance. And then, or I think Baron Corbin walked off the set, or Kalisto, it was the other way around. And I think Baron Corbin said, This is your fault, Daniel Bryan. You made this match, and you're going to be responsible for the beating that I give Kalisto. When you put a steel chair in my hands, Baron Corbin is already dangerous as it is. But when you put a steel chair in his hands, how much more dangerous can he become? Especially with someone as small as Kalisto, who has that small stature that Baron Corbin can just manhandle without chairs. You can only imagine how long Kalisto could be on the shelf for again if Baron Corbin has his way with him on Sunday. So I think Baron Corbin has the advantage in this match, which is why I'm going with him.
0: And I think that the only equalizer in this match is the chairs because Kalisto then has an opportunity to really focus on a specific part of you Baron chop down Karin, the body chop yeah. down the legs really work on his arms even even just keep hitting him across the back will prevent him from having the speed and quickness to keep up with Kalisto. Anything to slow down Baron Corbin and injure him so that his upper body strength is taken out of play because he's got those chicken legs that he runs around on. (laughs) And And once you take away his upper body strength, you can quickly take him off his feet, you take out his legs, and his upper body strength really doesn't play a huge factor anyway. So that would pretty much be Kalisto's only shot here. Considering that you know, the entirety of the cruiserweight division or anything isn't on the line here. This is definitely another one of those pride matchups. So in that kind of balance, I still think that Baron Corbin has everything to want to win this match and and more to lose than Kalisto. Kalisto will go out there and and put his heart on his sleeve and try and try and try and try try as many times as he, he wants. And he's actually much more successful at that than, you know, most people, his size especially. Um, and he has seen a lot of great success in the WWE but Baron Corbin uh, is still in that proving ground stage and still needs to establish himself constantly and so Baron Corbin needs a win here so I, I'm gonna go with Baron Corbin taking this win uh, for himself and proving to the rest of Smackdown live management that uh, he he will need some more appropriate competition going forward because handing Baron Corbin a chair versus Kalisto is <laughs> is is pretty that's pretty rough that's uh, <laughs> Hey, I mean, Kalisto is asking for it, so he is. You know, that he he accepted the match. <laughs> he did accept the match, uh, but begrudgingly accepting his match. Uh, the Intercontinental Champion, The Miz, will be facing Dolph Ziggler again. I can't imagine The Miz is at all interested in this matchup for the fourth or four hundredth time. I'm not sure, <laughs> uh, but Dolph Ziggler in a ladder match, uh, that always spells real interesting. So, what do you think about Dolph Ziggler in a ladder match specifically? And how is this different than what Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles are going to be doing?
1: I mean, let's take a trip down memory lane to six years ago, TLC 2010. Dolph Ziggler came out on top with that Intercontinental Championship in a ladder match against Kofi Kingston and Jack Swagger. Two years later, beating John Cena in the main event in a ladder match. Two years after that, beating Luke Harper to win back his Intercontinental Championship in, you guessed it, a ladder match. He is 3-0 and in ladder matches for... Or are 2-0 in the IC title matches at TLC, 3-0 in ladder matches at TLC. So, obviously, needless to say, he has the experience factor on Sunday. Miz is no slouch himself. I mean, he's won Money in the Bank before, as is Dolph Ziggler. But Miz, when we go back, when we look back for the past six or seven months, he has come out on top in every stipulation match that he's been put in. Triple Threat, Fatal 4-Way, Dolph Ziggler, he beat him. Seemingly out of nowhere on the 900th episode of SmackDown many weeks ago, and he ha- also has Maurice. We haven't seen the Spirit Squad in a while, and they can always get involved. There's no count-outs, no disqualification. This is the match I'm most looking forward to. I think on Sunday, in addition to the main event, um, I think Dolph Ziggler on paper has it won, but I'm going to go with the Miz. I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to. I think that he has the advantage in terms of pulling out the victory when no one thinks that he will come out on top. Still the Intercontinental Champion.
0: The Miz is going to come in with a real plan. And I think Dolph Ziggler is going to rely on his skills, his ability to adapt, and his perception of what he believes he knows about the Miz. Yep. And I think the Miz is extra aware of that at this point, seeing Dolph Ziggler this many times. And I think the Miz is going to continue to prove that he's got Dolph Ziggler beat at those corners. And until Dolph Ziggler can start thinking outside of his own sphere, then I think the Miz definitely has the upper hand here. I think Dolph Ziggler, as a competitor in this matchup, has the advantage all day long. But the Miz has a lot of tactical experience and uh, is underhandedness uh, in a match like this, where simply getting to the top and getting that belt gets you the win. I he doesn't necessarily even have to 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 pin Dolph Ziggler or beat him in any way. Dolph Ziggler, like I said, is is definitely is on paper uh, the stronger competitor, uh, even slightly or a little bit more than slightly. But the Miz doesn't have to beat Dolph Ziggler to win this match. Nope. <laughs> so exactly. Dolph Ziggler, you know, is is a very prideful wrestler. So that that probably won't sit well with him as a competitor. And that's where I think that Dolph Ziggler will lose the the, the match like this, even though he really deserves to win. Um, but I still don't know if he maybe he's allergic to the title belt. Um, you know, maybe it might be. he not hold it for very long. He does, not, he does not tend to hold on to them for very long. And nope. when he does, it tends to drop out of you know the spotlight. And for yep. whatever reason, when The Miz wins the title, he is very much the spotlight. Always.
1: So, hey, that's the A-list him. So,
0: so maybe a little bit of that confidence is carrying The Miz right now. And Dolph Ziggler is, uh, is, is trying to understand why he's, he's fighting up against this. And maybe he's really fighting himself at the end of the day, trying to determine whether or not this belt, Which he claims that is so important to him. The history of the Intercontinental Championship is important to him, and he wants to quote unquote bring that back to prominence. I would dare say that he already has done that. He's already well accomplished that in my mind. I think both this
1: and Dolph Ziggler. When you
0: think of Intercontinental Champions and you think of the history of the Intercontinental Champion, I think of Dolph Ziggler. Who else have I seen in the last 10 years win that belt so many times and carry it with such prestige and carry it like it was the world championship like it should be? Hey, the Miz. Uh, He's the, another one that yes, comes up to mind. No, no, the Miz, absolutely. It is very much a belt that is prestigious and is awarded to some of the greatest athletes the sport has ever seen. The The world title, the world championship, that's that's for the the top tier of elite players that manipulate all of the variables around them and have help and support and all these teams or you know whether it's the WWE universe behind Daniel Bryan or it's two other members of the shield behind you know Seth Rollins or any any one of the members or anything like that Mm -hmm. there's always support getting you to the top of the WWE. You don't just walk in as a solo competitor and walk out as the WWE champion. It usually doesn't happen that way. There's always a club. There's always a DX. There's always something. But when it comes to the Intercontinental Championship, there is one V1, and the winner takes the prestige. And I think, once again, that is what we will see in this ladder match. And that's what I think makes it a little bit different than AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose. They do have that prestige. They do have a a lot more... People interested and right on their heels. These two people are are Dolph Ziggler and The Miz are in a proving ground stage, and they're constantly doing it every single week. And The Miz is constantly putting that in everybody's face that he is already the A-lister. He has already won the World Championship. This is where he finds his 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 glory, and that 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 I think is is the tell of. Uh, uh, an actor, an entertainer, a professional wrestler that truly knows what they want in life, and that is the Miz. So, uh, will we see the Miz win on Sunday? I'm I'm thinking yes. I'm I def- think so as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with you on that. Uh, and and that is not the only championship match on the line. Uh, the the third and final championship uh, is on the line. Uh, or on fourth. S- fourth, 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 fourth. Jeez, four championships. Titles, man. It almost seems like on every. Uh, every network special now, almost every belt is on the line, every, every show. So what's the purpose of night of champions is my question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like hell in the cell is night of champions with hell in the cell. <laughs> well, I wonder, I wonder what we'll see with night of champions, to be honest, when we get there I wonder, or clash,
1: whatever clash mm.
0: of champions. Oh, it's true. They it's changed not, it. Now, now it can mean anything. And it's not just a night yeah, of champions. It's but true, even man. if they have just, you know, their tag team belts, there's technically plural. They're true. They're, they're two technically champions. Again, yeah, true right. clash. Yeah, they're clash. <laughs> but speaking of uh, tag team uh, action, we're gonna see uh, tag t- SmackDown Live tag team champions Heath Slater and Rhino take on the odd couple of Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. Um, now, do you think that 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 the Viper in, inside Randy Orton is, is is playing a very long con here against Bray Wyatt? Or do you think that these two really have a chance at being a, a cohesive unit like they have shown in the past couple of weeks to take the belts away from Slater and Rhino?
1: I mean, they convinced me they are a cohesive unit. You go back to Survivor Series, Randy Orton took a bullet for Bray Wyatt. And for what reason? No reason at all. There was nothing on the line in that match between Raw and SmackDown. He did not have to do that. It led to them scoring the victory. So to me, I am now fully convinced that they are a cohesive unit and they're becoming tag team champions on Sunday. I think for Bray Wyatt more than anyone else, I'm excited for this alliance, not only because when they were going one-on-one and playing the Hocus Pocus and that all kind of thing, wasn't really my cup of tea, but I think as a tag team, and you have the, the X Factor and Luke Harper there as well, and what's his mindset? Can I trust Randy? Do I trust Bray at this point? Like, how does Luke factor in all this? And then later, Eric Rowan, when he comes back, there's a lot of questions here that intrigue me as a viewer. So, yeah, I like this tag team a lot.
0: Yeah, I, it's interesting. Everything Randy does to help Bray. I feel like it's always something really big and meaningful, right? And that's what leads me to believe that the the, the voices in his head are guiding him to continue to show Bray that he's blindly a Because that, in, in, in Bray's past, has, has allowed him to drop his guard and become vulnerable to the people on his own team. You know, and we saw this semi-recently in, in, in some ways with Braun Strowman over at Survivor Series. Yep and Bray just doesn't really have the control that he believes he has over some of his followers. So in a way, I feel like Randy Orton is earning his stripes in Bray's mind to get any of that questioning to go away, and we're starting to see Luke Harper question uh, Randy Orton less. Um, Do you think Luke Harper, who has continued to become a third ghostly apparition in all of these matches, do you think Luke Harper is going to find his way into this match and, ensure a win for the Wyatt family here?
1: I think so. I mean, we kind of saw it on Tuesday when Wyatt and Orton took on American Alpha, helping them score the victory and become the new number one contenders to the titles. I think he will. I think we will see Lou Carper appear in some form or fashion. I know he was beaten by Kane on Tuesday. That didn't stop him from interfering in the main event. He currently has no match on the card on Sunday. So I think he will. I think we will have a new pair of tag team champions. For the first time ever, we will see gold around Bray Wyatt's waist in WWE. Wow, you're not wrong. He's That's, never look, think about this. He's only challenged for a championship on one occasion. You're in right. Three and a half years. You're 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 you're
0: absolutely right. And I also wonder too that what if things don't go their way? So what if Luke Harper does show up, and in, in some bizarre mishap, that does not go the way of the Wyatt family. Do you think that that causes a rift enough between Randy Orton and Luke Harper alone to break things up or to make Bray Wyatt have to mediate and choose? And, and does that start becoming a more of a distraction during this match, giving Rhino or Heath Slater the ability to use their talents and, and, and take care of business? Mm-hmm. Or uh, despite any of that, do you think the three of them have enough in it to just take out Rhino and Slater?
1: I think that's the best part about this, and that either win or lose for the Wyatt family, it's a win-win for uh, for, uh, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt. And the fact that they have so much to prove here, but if they win, we have a new pair of tag team champions. And the entire tag team division is on notice when Wyatt and Randy are at the helm. However, if they lose, as you said, where does that leave the Wyatt family? Where does that specifically leave... Bray and Luke, who have been on the same page for over three and a half, four years at this point. So there's a lot of questions, I think. Either way, I'm intrigued. I mean, I personally want to see Bray Wyatt finally get his just due and win a championship on Sunday. But I do think that even if they lose, there's a lot of storyline potential there in terms of where they can go with it beyond that point.
0: Well, exactly. And, and, and think of it this way as well. Um, if Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton become champions... And Luke Harper has been known to take Bray Wyatt's place in matches at the last minute. Mm -hmm. Does this introduce a somewhat Freebirds, New Day kind of scenario to the Wyatt family where any combination of members might be your opponent that night? I mean, are we seeing more of the New Day? Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. The New Day have already pioneered that on the raw side. You know, are we going to see more shared tag team experiences in the WWE going forward with these types of uh, collaborations and groups?
1: We could. And I think it'd be cool if we did. I think I mean Luke Harper is a former NXT Tag Team Champion, but how many times have we seen him and Eric Rowan go after the gold yet came up short? How jealous do you think he would be if Wyatt and Orton in their first time teaming for the tag team titles win the belts after he and Eric representing the Wyatt family for so many years? Came up short of winning those WWE were uh, raw tag team titles. That to me would be the most intriguing aspect, and we can finally see Luke Harper. We've seen a breakout on his own before, but never teased tension with Bryce. So that to me is yeah, very think, very. Intriguing. Do you think
0: that there is the potential for tension inside of Luke Harper? He seems pretty dead behind the eyes. So Definitely. I'm not. I'm not sure. If gel, je- do you think jealousy like registers on his range of emotion, or
1: I mean, I think the losses are starting to get to him. To Kane, he's come up short at Survivor Series on SmackDown. So, in addition to the tension, Randy Orton becoming new Bray Wyatt's new favorite son, so to speak, in addition to all the losses he's been he's been stacking up against Kane. All of that combined will lead to him, you know, hitting his breaking point potentially on Sunday.
0: Well, truth truth will be setting Bray and Randy free. Uh, and and potentially becoming the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. TLC certainly feels stacked. AJ Styles versus Dean Ambrose. Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss. Nikki Bella versus Carmella. The Miz and Dolph Ziggler. Kalisto and Baron Corbin. Slater and Rhino versus Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. That sounds as full as it gets. And to be honest, I would have thought that the schedule between having just watched you know hell in a cell having just watched uh you know survivor survivor series. series having just watched you know everything debuting with 205 live which we will be getting to in just a short bit you would feel like there is no possible way that they could pull out so many interesting elements of what has been going on and yet here we are a full card and potentially smackdown smackdown live's first fully thought through and built up card that they've had since they launched. Obviously raw gets the advantage because little changed for them. the things that were established for them going forward, continued going forward. This Smackdown live has completely shaken up the foundation of how they approached, you know, WWE wrestling. And now I feel a couple of Smackdown exclusive, uh, network specials in, TLC could be the launching pad to really show what these superstars are capable of under the SmackDown Live management team. So, absolutely going to be a killer show. I believe the pre-show starts an hour earlier. uh, Yeah, I think it's an hour early, yeah. No match
1: announced currently, but they usually do add a match at the last minute, yeah.
0: I watch either way. I know it's dry.
1: No, I watch as well, yeah. I'm sure it's going to be <laughs> Apollo Crews and, like, Kurt Hawkins or American Alpha and the Usos. But we do get some fun action on the kickoff show sometimes. That's you That's
0: absolutely know. true. So, we are going to be diving into now that we have completed our analysis of TLC coming up on the WWE Network this Sunday. So much is going on on the Raw side of the roster. We have new champions We have reignited feuds and a very choice confrontation from the big dog Roman Reigns himself who is impressing me more and more every time I see him these days. I'm becoming a a very big Roman Reigns fan because there's really nothing that he has shown that could possibly take away from his commitment to wrestling. He's so committed to just being a pro wrestler. You can make fun of him for having a spear. You can make fun of him for being, uh, you know, over eccentric with his ooh and <laughs> You know, this, this whole notion that he's getting a push or he's the most pushed guy. And I'm just like, I see a really dedicated guy. I don't know what you're seeing in this guy anymore. You know, I guess it's just fun to rail on somebody that you know has clearly got more talent and better looks than you. But hey, you know... Who am I to judge what you do behind your Chudley, you know, room at at home there? (laughs) Um, But let's talk about Roman Reigns real quick. He came out and and crashed the highlight reel between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, uh, which was a boiling point for it seemed for Kevin Owens um, uh, with Chris Jericho's antics. Kevin Owens seems to be the only person in the room, the only person in the world, potentially, that does not appreciate the list of Jericho. What do you what do you think about the fact that Roman Reigns is going to be facing Kevin Owens, you know, definitely coming up, it was just announced that the US Champion Roman Reigns is going to be facing Kevin Owens for the Universal Title and Chris Jericho has walked away. I feel bad for Seth Rollins.
1: I mean, now that's, that that Jericho or the the, the cracks are starting the show between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho only now is Roman Reigns entering the title picture. In each of Kevin Owens' defenses against Seth Rollins, whether it be a clash of champions, in the main event in Raw, Hell in the Cell, Chris Jericho got involved every single time. And only now that Rollins is out of the picture, it becomes Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. I think Roman Reigns has a better chance of anybody right now of beating KO, not once, but twice. He beat him on Monday's Raw, Fair, and Square. If he could do it again at uh, at Roadblock in a few more weeks he becomes the first champion since Seth Rollins last summer to hold two titles simultaneously in the U.S. and Universal Championships. Uh, But I think it's, with with Jericho anyway, I don't think you could have summed it up any better when you called Jericho the Orson Welles of the WWE, and I think we really saw that on Monday night.
0: Yes, Uh, Chris Jericho is far and away the Orson Welles, both in performance and in thoughtfulness. Uh, of the WWE, he he will go down as the most romanticized wrestler in all of wrestling history, up there with Gorgeous George and and the the creme de la creme wrestling elite. Chris Jericho has, in my mind, cemented himself on that mountain rushmore of wrestling.
1: It's hard to argue.
0: It it is it is quite incredible to see him weave the type of insanity that he brings into everything that he's part of walks out into and makes himself part of. He is just the most flawless puzzle piece. The, the Howard Hughes of, of professional wrestling uh, and, and as neurotic too. Um, but this, this brings up a, a thought I had about Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. now now, uh, Chris Jericho was later attacked in the parking lot by Seth Rollins um, we've seen a little bit more cross uh, support from Rollins and Roman Reigns of recent, uh, with a brief Shield-esque reunion happening at Survivor Series. So um, while they haven't exchanged any unpleasantries, they haven't exactly uh, you know come out uh, saying that they are rekindling any kind of relationship or friendship there. But with Kevin Owens, he made a comment later on uh, during an interview after Chris Jericho had left. Um, claiming that Chris Jericho was still his best friend. Do you think that that is a clue, a hint at all, that Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, who have been very outspoken against one Roman Reigns, would go as so far as to stage, bait, a highlight reel, knowing that Roman Reigns would likely come down uh, over the most simplistic kind of provocation. They could stage their own breakup, have Chris Jericho exit the picture, leaving Roman Reigns to believe that he's got Ke- Kevin Owens' number and can simply you know, use his words and c- tell Kevin Owens that he's, he's not a man and he's not doing it the honest way and he always needs help and he needs help from everything. And then Chris Jericho will come back at their next encounter and completely even the score and take that opportunity away from Reigns once again. What do you, what do you think about the possibilities that that's what they might be up to?
1: I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, you're looking at two of the biggest masterminds, two of the most skilled masterminds in recent WWE history in Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. I mean, we saw the same thing just a week and a half ago on Monday Night Raw, also on the highlight reel. To me, somehow this does feel real. I mean, Chris Jericho is nowhere to be seen in that match on Raw on Monday. But as you said, you got to look at the bigger picture. It's not about some meaningless, meaningless match on Raw. It's about holding the championship in title matches. Jericho has only gotten involved... In Kevin Owens's matches, when the title has been on the line, Monday was no issue, but maybe they go as far as the tease tension, tease going their separate ways, only for Jericho and Owens to rekindle their friendship and help you know Jericho help Owens retain his title at Roadblock. I mean, selfishly speaking, I don't want to see them break up just because Jericho Jericho is just that good together, and I don't want to see the list end and all that other kind of stuff. Like as you said, he's just that good. Um, but I would not put it past them to go this far to tease tension and to tease breaking up their friendship in order to keep that belt on Kevin Owens.
0: Yeah, right? I I, I think that Kevin Owens would pretty much go uh, even more cerebral than Triple H or Seth Rollins would to completely convince an opponent that there was an advantage over him. And just to have that completely taken away at the last second, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that that's what makes Kevin Owens potentially more of an architect than Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins has has lost that a little bit in uh, the last couple of months. You've said that, yeah. You know, not he's he's definitely coming out more as a competitor and less as a plot minded, you know, uh, tinkerer. You know, behind the, the evolution scenes. of the Rollins character. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and. And if that's what he's rebuilding himself towards, he's definitely putting himself on a way more uphill battle, the same type of uphill battle that Roman Reigns has had to face, where he's going to have to fight his way to get those pushes, to get to that next belt opportunity. And he's going to have to win that opportunity and then hold on to it for as long as he possibly can to, you know, the the, maybe the detriment of what the WWE universe wants right then and there. Mm -hmm. So, You know, I know that the WWE universe is a fickle thing and they they change with the wind as to who they support and who they don't. But I think universally they do not support Roman Reigns right now. And Seth Rollins appears to be supporting Roman Reigns a little bit. So maybe Seth Rollins will also be in the back pocket of Roman Reigns to even the odds should Chris Jericho show up during this match. So a lot to be seen as that plays out. Um, We had also seen on Monday – a lot of uh, just over-aggression coming out of Braun Strowman in a match versus R-Truth that I felt was pretty um, uh, hard to watch. You know, I respect R-Truth quite a bit, and he comes out and he does what he does at such a high level, especially considering how long he has been with the WWE. He's seen a lot of different competitors. He's 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 a veteran, you know, true and true. He was handled by Braun Strowman like it was nothing, um, in his hometown no less. What do you what do you think about Braun Strowman um, and his his lack of ability to like tone it down ever? I mean, he he has like one mode and it is destroy. I mean, Strowman has really really grown on me. I
1: think he has really come uh, improved the leaps and bounds since the Wyatt family, and I think having him break off on his own, there were a lot of question marks when he was drafted to Raw and then Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan went to SmackDown. There were a lot of question marks as to whether he can flourish on his own, but I think of the past couple of months have been any indication manhandling our truth uh, Sami Zayn after the match as well. He has really proven to be a formidable force on Monday Night Raw, and I think I also got to give credit to, to WWE as well. For the first time, and seemingly I couldn't tell you the last time, they have built up a legitimate, believable, monster villain on Monday Night Raw to the point where... You know, we've been talking about for years, prior to Brock Lesnar getting beaten, the question was, who could really stand a chance of beating Brock Lesnar? Braun Strowman, to me, when this whole Goldberg-Braun Strowman thing runs its course, and I know you even brought it up, Braun Strowman and Goldberg, Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar, I think at some point, that would was, be a money match. For and me. that was
0: supposed to be, like in my mind, the proving steps, right? Yeah. If, if Braun Strowman could take out Goldberg, then Braun Strowman could essentially probably take out Rusev. Because Rusev started off in the WWE with a similar type of streak yes. that Goldberg had, yeah. right? So proven destroyers, although, you know, Goldberg's an older veteran, so younger talent versus older talent, a little bit of an edge for Braun Strowman, given his size. Then he takes on a peer like Rusev. You know, and Rusev steps up to the plate and says, "No, I got. There's no way that you could beat me. I have. I've been doing this longer than you, Sonny." And then he gets beat, right? And then you have out of nowhere someone like Mark Henry comes out and says, "I'm the world's strongest man. I'm sick of watching this from the back. I. There's no way that you can take me down." And Braun Strowman easily, you know, folds him up into like a paper plane and throws him down the hallway. I'm surprised they haven't gone that route yet with either him or then. You have Braun Strowman out there make the errant comment that, like, I could destroy anything in the palm of my hand. Even your, you know, your renowned faith in Brock Lesnar. And then that, you know, because apparently to provoke the beast, all you need to do is just say, like, a handful of seemingly complimentary words. And he's like, you said what? (laughs) Here comes the bane. Um, So I, I think that Braun Strowman definitely has a big future. Uh, and hopefully one that sees him face to face with the Beast incarnate Brock Lesnar um Brock Lesnar uh, uh, made some big news uh, on Monday as well Paul Heyman announcing that Brock Lesnar will also in addition to Goldberg being in the Royal Rumble match Brock Lesnar will be entering himself in the Royal Rumble match have we seen any of this kind of confrontation between them before in a match like this between
1: Brock Lesnar and Goldberg yes I don't think so. I mean, I think a lot of people are looking forward to their Survivor Series match, but I think making their Rumble encounter is that much more anticipated. I mean, you put them in the ring with 28 other guys. There's a chance we might not even see them interact. I mean, Goldberg can come in at number 30. Lesnar can come in at number one. It's the Royal Rumble. But I mean, people look forward to the Rumble every year. Because it's the Royal Rumble. It sells itself. But when you, too, when you put two household names, two marquee guys in there, and Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, two guys who could feasibly come out and earn themselves a future world title shot at WrestleMania, anything is bound to happen. I know we have TLC on Sunday. We have Roadblock in a couple weeks. But my sights are set on the Royal Rumble and uh, the pay per views keep on coming and coming, but the Royal Rumble is right around the corner, and their interaction in the Rumble is what has me intrigued for that coming up next month.
0: Yeah, it's good. It, it to the fact that they're already shaping up the Rumble shows that I think that they're thinking about all of the pieces much more thoughtfully going towards the Rumble, as they should. Because locking down uh, both Lesnar and Goldberg, they're not week-to-week active talents so there you go that's a great way to start entering people into the rumble is is at least attaining and securing the talent that is available healthy and ready to go that is not part of your active day-to-day roster those are great ways to start building up how this is going to look and so that superstars can start putting a strategy as to how they can start beating some of these people no matter when they enter in in the match so uh Continuing on with a, a lot of banner news coming out. I w- let's let's take a moment. I need to skip to this because I'm, I'm just getting antsy not talking about it. Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks had a lot of business to conduct on Monday night. It started off with a match between the Raw Women's Champion Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks, and it ended in a double countout. How did we then get to the finish that we saw? On Monday night, that was awesome. What a visual with
1: Charlotte being locked into the bank statement in in the guardrail. What would we even call it? The railing. Yeah, it was, it was a incredible. Rail. Yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing, and um, I'm glad they took full advantage. I mean, how often? I mean, I know it's false going anywhere. They go all around the arena, but more often than not, they end up right back in the ring. But how often do you see a fall like the match actually end in the crowd the way that did? Um, and really. I can't even say a fitting conclusion to this feud because I have a feeling it will continue. Charlotte still does have her rematch. Like you said with Miz and Ziggler, for the 500th time we'll see the match. But at least, at the very least, their matches are good. Um, In terms of switching the title back and forth, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of that just because I don't know if they have a long-term plan in place. But in terms of the matches, extraordinary and definitely deserve that main event slot on Raw this week.
0: And here's the thing that uh, we had touched upon with uh, Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss, right? The fact that the Alexa and Becky are in a ladder uh, tables match, right? Um, that is because there's no other way for the two of them. They need no disqualification. They need these things to be completely concluded. With this, the same goes here for Sasha and Charlotte. Their match earlier in, in uh, earlier on Monday night ended in a double countout. You can't. The, in, in years past, that would have been it that would have been moving on next match see, see you next week when when we do when the women do something else yeah there's no the, these two competitors will not let that be how this gets resolved and management knows that and they put them in a no disqualification match to close monday night raw and we saw sasha banks defeat charlotte flair once again I thought that that was really incredible. We saw a number of other teams fall. Uh, uh, Gallows and Anderson fell to the New Day once again. Um, and uh, uh, Noam Dar uh, came up short against Rich Swan. as did um, uh, uh, Tony uh, Cedric Alexander, unfortunately, came up short under Tony Nese. A lot of cruiserweight action happening on Raw leading into 205 Live. Big debut on 205 Live. I couldn't believe it. There was a lot to, a lot of interesting uh, matches. A lot of the uh, same types of cruiserweight matches we've seen on Raw. Obviously, we've seen in the Cruiserweight Classic. But Rich Swan versus the Brian Kendrick for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Graham, your quick thoughts. I know we're up against the clock here. What what did you think about seeing Rich Swan versus the Brian Kendrick in a title match?
1: A great way to kick off the premiere episode of WWE 205 Live. I thought the overall show was very good. Great match. And for a crowd that was relatively quiet throughout most of the show, they came alive in those final few minutes. The Kendrick are the uh, shooting star. Not the shooting star press. The slice bread number two off the top rope was incredible. Just a lot of drama, great emotion, great action, great moment with Rich Swan, And it, his promo after the match was so much more real than the promo he cut on Raw. It felt real. It didn't feel scripted. He thanked his mom, who, had, who has since passed away, I believe. It was amazing and a well-deserved moment for Rich Swan.
0: Yeah, truly sh- highlighting the level of commitment that each one of the Cruiserweight competitors has to being the absolute best in the world. Rich Swan has now etched his name as potentially one of the best in In the world today. Uh, Will he continue to stay healthy? Will he continue to stay on top of that division? He certainly looks like he deserves it right now, but there is a hotbed of competitors in the Cruiserweight division that make up 205 Live, and we will be diving into all of that as 205 Live continues forward. Very great announcing, all the way from announcing to not having the ring have to be changed up every two seconds to go back to something else. A very consistent show. Mauro Ronaldo holds it down alongside Corey Graves. Couldn't have been happier with that pairing in my dream pairings. And Austin Aries as well. And Big Austin fan Aries, Aries will continue to, uh, I, I believe, play a very interesting role in 205 Live as I had long, long hoped that Austin Aries would play a role in the cruiserweight <laughs> division. Will. This is where it gets really, really interesting. We are going to, uh, we're going to break here. Um, uh, we're going to catch up next week on all things NXT. And uh, we are very excited to be talking about the conclusions and everything that we saw this Sunday at TLC. We will be going over that soup to nuts next Friday here at Rant Radio.